Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. In Ecclesiastes, we have the question, why am I here? And I think Ecclesiastes provides the framework for the answer to that question, as we will continue to see as we walk through the book. Well, let us continue um, now by looking at Ecclesiastes. We're going to go back, and we're going to look at Ecclesiastes 6, verse 10 through 12. And as you do that, as you find that, whether you're online or here in front of me, we just need to kind of catch ourselves where we are now. We are now in the second part of Ecclesiastes. In some ways, Ecclesiastes 5 is like the pinnacle, the apex of the book, in that the teacher of Ecclesiastes moves from observation, as we talked about last week, to instruction. And the greatest instruction that he could give God's people was the instruction in how to worship God. But this instruction, as we learned last week, it came with warnings, four warnings, as we learned last week. But now it seems that the teacher is moving you to the trenches again. And the words that we have before us this morning are are quite heavy. Ecclesiastes 6, verse 10, we find these words, whatever exists has already been named. And what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. The more words, the less the meaning, and how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life? During the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone. This is the word of the Lord. And I wonder this morning whether you're feeling something of the same angst in your own soul. And my hope is that as you listen to this message this morning that you will realize that there is a gospel of hope peering also through the words of our text this morning. But we're not going to go immediately to the answer. We're going to dive into the question. And we're going to begin with a horizontal perspective of how do we deal with the words, the text in front of us, the questions that are before us from a one-dimensional perspective. After we answer that question, we're going to go through the verses again from a transcendent perspective. That means a God-driven, divine perspective. But we're going to begin with a human perspective on our text. And so we're going to break up our our message this way. Shifting shadows, unchanging Savior. That's our theme that we're going to focus on. But first, here's our theme for our, our first part of the sermon. We are only human after all. And when you're only human after all, and if you only have the lens of your humanity to look upon this life, you will realize that your past was but blind fate that you'll realize your present is actually quite bleak and your future uncertain. Our second point in the sermon will be the same theme. He is the great I am. This is where the hope will come. Maybe some of you recognize uh, the wording of my first point. We are only human after all. The song was entitled Human. Maybe you've heard it. He's looking at life under the sun from a human perspective. And here's just some of the words from his song to kind of give you a picture of his human perspective. He says, maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. Thinking I can see through this and see what is behind. Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm blind. 
but I'm only human after all, so don't put your blame on me. And the idea of avoiding blame is all too common in our cultural narrative. But he's addressing something of what the teacher is addressing in our passage this morning. We are only human after all. We are therefore crippled by so many limitations that forces this reality that the past is something that we can't undo, that the present is not altogether clear for us, and the future is certainly unknown. This is what the teacher says, verse 10. Whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known, and no one can contend with someone who is stronger. And the message puts it this way. It says, whatever happens, happens. If you look at this life from a horizontal perspective, you have what you have is fate, and it's blind fate. But the past has happened by this impersonable, unapproachable power that's indifferent to your existence. When we look at it from a human perspective, you see, if you remove God from the picture and you have to call in what, what has happened in the past, you will have to say it's chance or you're going to have to say it's fate or you're going to have to say it's some form of determinism, but you need to realize that it doesn't care what you call it. It's a universe that neither knows nor cares about your existence. But the teacher doesn't end there, and so can't we. His pen keeps moving. He says, the more words, the less the meaning. How does that profit anyone? What he's saying is, if you are trying to capture your inescapable past in words, to try to give reason to it and purpose, it's hevel. What do you say to someone who all their life kept their eyes roving for the better car, the better house, the better vacation, but never finding satisfaction and are now on their deathbed with tubes all through them? What do you tell them about the meaning of life? That's where the teacher's going. Teacher continues, he says, verse 12, for who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow? And then he goes on to about the future from a worldly perspective. Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? Or the message says, and who can tell any of us the next chapters of our lives? Because if you don't know where you're from, and the present is rather bleak, the future is totally uncertain. And that's why even learned men and women, men like Sigmund Freud, admitted that he was terrified with the idea of death and non-existence and that all his wisdom was meaningless if there was no life after this life. Why did I expend so much energy, he says, if there's no future for me after I'm gone? Are you feeling the weight of these words now this morning? The teacher, you could say, is lowering you into a pit. And there's walls all around you in this hole. And there's no way to look but up. Unless a divine hand moves down into that hole to grab you and you to hold on to that arm by faith, there's no hope. So that's the human perspective. We're going to finish now with the divine perspective. Hallelujah. Because I couldn't leave you there. The unchanging Savior, the shifting shadows. That's what we talked about. Now the unchanging Savior, and he is the great I am. So much joy just to say those words. 
Because he is the great I am, I know, and you can know, that your past, it was sovereignly decreed. Because he's the great I am, you can know that your present life right now can be joy-filled. And because he is the great I am, our future is so certain, as certain as this pulpit is standing right in front of me. Let's begin to look at this text now from a transcendent perspective, from a divine perspective, you can say. And we're going to go through the same text just from a different perspective now. Verse 10, whatever exists has already been named and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. He's revealing to us something about who he is and that is God. That he is the one who names everything. It's not like a parent having a child and naming the child. It's more like an inventor inventing something and putting a patent on the invention, saying, that's mine, I created that. He calls each star by name. He has authority over the heavens. And because he created man and he named man and women, he now has dominion over their lives. And so we read in Acts 17, verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. You are not here because of blind fate. You are here because of God's divine purpose. God is fulfilling his purpose even today. Therefore, we believe, loved ones, that our past is sovereignly decreed, but not by an impersonable, indifferent, pitiless force, but by a holy, transcendent being who knows no beginning, for he is God, and he loves this fallen humanity that rejected him so much that he chose to be clothed in our human garb to save it. And we need to bend under this reality. No one can contend with someone who is stronger. That should not frighten us. That should make us fearful in a sense of awe and wonder that the one who loves us, who's full of pity, is stronger than us. We will not be able to contend against the Almighty. So bend the knee and worship him. God who is sovereign over our past is also with us in our present life. And from a human perspective, you understand that words become meaningless From a divine perspective, that's not true. Our words can be meaningless because we're only human after all. But God's word is not meaningless. God, you just need to keep on speaking. Why? Because everything you say is gold. He is the great I am, remember? His word, you have to understand, is the key that opens the door to our only hope and his word became flesh and his word dwelt among us and his name is Jesus the great I am I come to you boldly I come to you confidently I come with the spirit of God in me that the answer to their questions is on the lips of Jesus himself the answer is Christ Jesus says to his detractors, those who are against him, he says these words in John 8, verse 58, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. You know what? You could rest in those two words for all eternity, and you will. 
if you believe in him. Let me just unpack a few things and then we'll close off. All of us can say this. I was X yesterday, but today I'm Y, and tomorrow I'll be Z. Yesterday you're not the same as you are today, and tomorrow you'll probably be a bit of a different person than you are today. But do you know that Jesus can't say that? I was X yesterday, Y today, and Z tomorrow? What Jesus says is yesterday I am. Today I am. Tomorrow, guess what? He is the great I am that placed you on this earth. And because of your brokenness, you decide to depart from him. But he is the great I am that took on human garb, who took on our flesh. And he was standing right in front of them saying, before Abraham was, I am. This great I am, who is the eternal God, then says, you know what? Because in the economy of God's salvation, the way God has planned things, there is no other way to pay the penalty than for me to die. This is what I've been called to do. You can put the blame on me. I'm human, but I'm also divine. There was no other way to pay the penalty, to take you out of the dark hole of your human existence and give you hope and meaning to a dark life, to undo your past, and to secure your future. I'll go down into the grave myself. But also, three days later, he rose into life eternal. And he says to you this morning, loved ones, and we're going to close here, I am the resurrection and the life that who believes in me will live even though they die. And my question to you, do you believe that? Amen.